Hello all of my happy little rainbows and thank you so much for joining me on this very special episode that we are doing mid-2022 to discuss all things facial feminization surgery, both the before, the after, what's led up to it, how things have been going since then, and really diving deep into the entire process for anybody out there who is currently in the process of transitioning. So, if all that interests you, stay tuned for another wonderful episode of Trans Confessions, A Very Queer Journey. who are listening to the podcast, obviously you will not be able to see um, some of the things that are going to be displayed or some of the things we're going to be talking about during today's episode. But for those who are watching on YouTube, those who are watching on Twitch, those who are maybe watching on one of my social media profiles, obviously you're going to get to come along and join this journey. Now for those who are listening on the podcast, I'm going to get as explicit in detail as I possibly can going through a lot of these things. So listen in and I think you're going to enjoy it just as much. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, As most of my viewers, most of my followers, and a lot of my friends and family already know, I just recently went through the process in the male-to-female transition known as facial feminizing surgery. This is a very long process. It's a very scary process. And it's certainly not a process that anybody should ever take lightly. Excuse me. Um, It's very nerve-wracking, and we have to remember that this is permanent. A lot of the changes that we're going to go through are permanent. So mentally preparing yourself, physically preparing yourself, all very, very important things. And we're going to kind of go into those details. So I wanted to begin with what to expect before facial feminization surgery. Um... Depending on how long you've been in transition, how long you've decided to be on hormones or whatever the case might be leading up to your facial feminization surgery, um, most of your surgeons and your doctors are going to require you to stop doing a few very key things. One, um, at least two weeks before your surgery, they want you to stop taking things like NSAIDs. So um, aspirin, they don't want you taking ibuprofen. Um, Anything that would fall into the NSAID category, they want you to stop um, at least a week, sometimes two weeks prior to your facial surgeries and stuff that you're going to have done. They want you to stop your hormones. Now, I know this sounds scary. This sounds terrible. Like, why would I want to stop my hormones? Oh my goodness, if I stop taking my hormones, you know, I'm going to go back to the way I was. And no, that's not how this works. Um... The main reason they want you to stop is they want to make sure your body is as leveled out as possible before going into something that's going to be a very, 
very lengthy surgery. This is a long process. It's not like a you're going to go in and come out in a couple of hours and you're going to be right as rain. And as we move through some of the video clips we're going to be watching, you're going to see just how involving of a process this is. So um, the day before surgery, you're going to get there. You're going to want to make sure you're clean, obviously sanitize, mild shampoo in your hair. Um, and it's all going to depend on what all they're going to be doing. Facial feminizing surgery is not just like one magic surgery. It's actually a combination of lots of different surgeries. So as you get ready to go in there, make sure your skin is good. Moisturize, especially around the face. Do that every day for the first couple of weeks before surgery. Really, really keep your skin as healthy as you possibly can. Um, again, though, two weeks prior, stop taking vitamins, especially vitamins that, like, it's way more than the recommended dose for a human being. We all know what I'm talking about. We see them in the store. It's like 8,000% of your daily value of vitamin C. Yeah, don't do that. Stop taking that stuff at least two weeks prior. Now, if you are a smoker, and I used to be one, I smoked for, hell, 25 years, you have to stop. I don't know any surgeon that does transgender surgeries that is going to operate on you if you are a smoker. They're just not. They're not going to operate on you if you are a smoker. <clears throat> so at least six weeks prior to your surgery, you need to stop all smoking. That includes vaping, anything that has nicotine in it at all. So you've got to stop. There are lots of resources that are out there to help you quit. And you know what? When I quit, I quit about four months into my hormone therapy. And I have never been happier. You want to talk about a massive difference? Just, I feel so much better. You know, my skin's better. I eat better. Food tastes better. So I promise you, besides the benefits of getting the surgeries that you've probably been waiting years to get, and saving up all this money to go do, you're gonna get the benefits of being healthier and living longer anyway. <clears throat> so there's that. Um, so now you're looking into that process of kind of getting ready. So the next video clip we're gonna watch is right around the time frame that my mother was coming into town to assist the family, especially with my kids, so I could focus on getting surgery. She came in a couple of days before and, you know, wanted to be there for us, knowing that I was going to be gone for at least a week, up to 10 days I was going to be gone from home. Um, my doctors were not going to allow me to come back to the house to convalesce, um, just because it's very involving. The surgery is difficult. So over the next course of the videos we're going to watch, you're going to see what I look like about a year on hormones, but pre-surgery. So let's go ahead and get that started. So yeah, I'm here. Waiting for my mom to pick her up at the airport. Try not to lose my mind waiting for this surgery tomorrow.
see it. I mean, I was scared. You could see it in my face. I was scared. I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do, um, how this was all going to pan out, you know, what exactly was going to happen. Um, there are a lot of resources that are out there, and I highly recommend any of the trans femmes that are considering going through this process, this surgery, to please look it up. You know, there's lots of material out there. You don't have to take things from me. I'm just one of so many trans femmes that are out there that have done this before. Um, I'm not even done healing, and we'll go into that later. So, um, obviously after that video, I went in, my mom finally came in, and you know, this isn't really part of the surgery story, but I think it's just, it's cute, so enjoy. Hopefully you, you liked that one. Um, I was so happy to see my mother. Uh, now, I consider myself to be lucky that I have a mother that is now supportive. Um, I don't think she started out that way. Well, I'm pretty sure she did not start out that way. But she's become very supportive and wants to help and that's why she flew all the way in just to watch our kids so that we could go and you know get my surgery uh there's a couple of brief moments while at home obviously that i tried to talk to my mom i tried to talk to the kids uh to get a better understanding of how they felt and i'm not going to show those videos because you know it's not really appropriate but the night of, we drove down there and got ready for surgery. My surgery was in San Antonio, Texas. So I was actually done with Dr. Hogan. Dr. Hogan is an amazing surgeon. She is fantastic. She really knew how to make me feel calm and really wanted to, to dive deep into what my expectations were. And the nice thing is she told it straight. She never sugarcoated things. She's like, you know, you're not going to be a supermodel when we're done here. That's not the objective. And I was like, well, that's fine. I don't want to be a supermodel. I just want to be me. And she told me step by step kind of what that was going to look like. And I kind of wanted to go a little bit into that now. So techniques and what they offer as part of FFS or facial feminizing surgery are things like frontal sinus setback so what is that so generally in a masculine featured face you've got sinus cavities that sit directly behind your brow line and for men generally the bone your brow bone is well prominent it sticks out in the videos that you'll watch of me prior to the surgery you'll notice that i had a prominent brow bone I had a prominent sinus, very easy to see, and even with makeup, can be very difficult to hide. Um, and this is why a lot of trans femmes consider FFS to be so important, is because those are things that would take decades on hormones to eventually wither away, if you will, and they may never go away without some kind of surgical assistance.
So the frontal sign that's set back, you got a uh, brow lift, obviously. If they do a brow bone shave or reduction, your eyebrows are gonna fall into your eyes. So they gotta do a brow lift. Um, obviously rhinoplasty, a nose job. Sinuplasty, a lip lift and lip augmentation or a bluff. Uh, mandible contouring. So yes, they will shave and contour your jawline. Um, genioplasty, tracheal shave, lots of different things that you can get. Now, not all of these options are for everybody. So you don't have to get every one of these or you can get every one of these. I elected to get everything except for the mandible contouring. Now they did a little bit on the the jaw and the chin, but they didn't go too much back here because I didn't need it. My jawline's not square. My jawline's already pretty round. Um, I guess I got lucky in that aspect. But they did do like the cheek augmentations and the lifting and the nose job. And you guys can't see it very well here. Maybe you can. This is a scar line. So that was a hairline advancement to bring my hairline forward as well as a facelift. So there's that. There's lots of different things you can pick and choose. And really you as the person who's going to be undergoing these surgeries, that's your choice. Your surgeon is going to talk to you about those things. Give you options, give you at least some semblance or some idea of what to expect. Um, I had eye surgery at the same time, so I basically got the works. Plus, I also did a little bit of body contouring, and I had partial bottom surgery at the same time. So, I was in surgery around 11 hours, give or take. That is a long time to be knocked out. But, this next video clip is kind of my wife and I discussing what was about to happen, um, each other's expectations, and you can kind of see um, the fear, the uneasiness beginning to set in. Well, here we are, San Antonio, Sunday night before surgery. My wife has been absolutely amazing and coming down here to be abysmally bored. So the nerves are definitely high for me. Well, hence the wine. Wine out of a paper cup. We're so glad. I know. It's like being back as a private. Although when I was a private, it would have been wine in this paper cup. <laughs> I'm like Bean's Farm or fucking Mad Dog 2020 or Bean's Farm. Old English. Gross. So what is it? 9 o'clock? 9.15. Report time is 0.530. And then they put me under at 7. 
Yeah. Everything's up to you. You mean everything's up to the surgery? I mean, as far as like everything outside of my surgery. Cosmetic surgery has always made me a little uncomfortable. I can, I can see that. But I will say that in some instances it's required for people to feel happy. And Yeah. I would say it's not for everybody. Yeah. Not everybody needs it. Or wants it. Right. But I fall into the category you just described. Correct. I mean, for people who look in the mirror and like completely hate themselves, and cosmetic surgery would relieve that hatred of themselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely me. Oh, I don't know if I hate myself. I just don't like. I'm also a pretty big proponent of, you know, when we look in the mirror and, oh, I hate this, oh, I hate that. Instead of doing that, yeah. going, like, like, sending love to those areas instead. Like, I look in the mirror and go, I really hate my stomach. It's like, no, actually, I love my stomach. You know? My stomach has allowed me to have three babies. Right. My stomach is awesome and capable of all these amazing things. Yeah. You give yourself love instead of hate. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's true. I gotta see things in my mind. It's this giant fucking zip. <laughs> God, like the day before surgery. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely stress related. But like, I see a lot of things I love about what I look like. I love my eyes. I hate my nose. <laughs> My nose allows me to breathe, breathe in air, oxygen, and nourish the rest of my body with that oxygen. My mouth does that too. <laughs> but your nose 
has this amazing capability of filtering out allergens and other things that your mouth cannot do. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People think it's like woo-woo bullshit, but it's not. It literally, you feel your brain shift in your, like your perception of yourself and the world around you when you start looking at things in a different way. Well, I mean, I don't disagree. <coughs> but my minor ability to actually do that that uh, let me hear. In a weird way. Am I ready Are you ready? Of course you're ready. Why wouldn't you be ready? Of course you're scared. The surgery is scary. I was ready to have that baby out of my body, and I was still fucking terrified to have a C-section. No, yeah. I was like, nope, never mind, I changed my mind. I don't want to do this. You can just be here forever. Just be there forever. My ass can see if I get to like, hey, can I have a Saturday? I'm like, self-actualizing, looking at yourself in the mirror, you always hated what you saw. A lot of it, yeah. Well, after this surgery, yeah, there's going to be a recovery period. But you're going to look in the mirror and be like, holy shit, I did it. I did it. And now it's like uphill from here. You started here. A one that like up like yeah yeah I'm like oh, oh yeah. yeah like up. you mean elevated mood yeah 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 it's all uphill from here no no it's all downhill life is only gonna get harder watching all those kid movies and I just love it when they get the idioms wrong that's my favorite joke that's my favorite joke. It's all up here. Up here. <laughs> Maybe that's how positive I see life. Even the struggles are good. Even the struggles are fun. I prefer it not to be all up here. I like a little challenge every once in a while. It's like, I'm old. I'm kind of tired. I'm like, this hill looks really bad. I'm just going to sit down. I'm just stay here. Someone come get me. 
trying to figure out how I got that he's been so long. Because <laughs> it really felt right. It's it's like, like, up it hill. feels good. Uphill's the good thing. We're going up. No. no. I mean, I guess uphill is a good thing as far as, like, if you like the struggle. <coughs> I'm just saying, like, two, oh, challenge. two, years, years, struggle. Challenge. two years ago, you were here. Yeah. And then you were able to get HRT. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're getting surgeries. It sounds like downhill. What is the smaller hill? So after the surgery, you'd be like, yeah, so it's downhill. Things are a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. What are you recording this video for? Posterity. Okay. And then maybe a bonus episode. Leading up to the surgery. I did a little bit, like waiting for mom. For the airport, a little bit. Then, you know, now we're here. Mom's watching the kids. Well, the kids are probably watching mom. <laughs> Except for Logie. Logie's just gonna, he's gonna sit there and be like, I'm too adorable for this shit. <laughs> I love his little scowls these days. He's like, <laughs> he is, he just looks so serious and it's like, you can't help it, man. And then he was just laughing. He does. He tries so there. hard. And you see his little, like, starts to smile. He's like, <laughs> I don't know where he gets that from. But it's adorable. He walked in, what was it? I know this smell. 
but I don't want to say anything. <laughs> that might be watching this, don't fucking tell me it's not true. You know it is. You knew what you did. So, take a good look at this face. You'll never see again. That's alright. It's gone forever. You will never see this face again. That's like my voice, though. I made a small video, they like, this is what I sound like now. You're never gonna hear it this way ever again. And here we are. Because the one that's talking go is this. That sounds ridiculous. people need to understand the difference because I don't believe that men really sit down and ever discuss orgasms. Not a men. Just not. Even gay men, I'm sure, don't really just sit down and talk about, oh yeah, like this orgasm felt great and this is what it was doing to me. In the same way, I don't think women just sit down and discuss how orgasms feel with men. We're other women. Well, it's hard to describe. Yes. So I think before I can answer that, where people are going to believe me. No, I just want your opinion. I don't give a fuck if people believe it or not. From your experience, what has been better? Male female? Oh, female orgasm by a billion miles. No fucking question. No question. And here's the thing. So, it's not without research, right? It's like, it's, I don't know why it's doing that, it's weird. That made it worse. Stop it. Oh, okay. I thought you were doing that on purpose. No, I don't know why I was doing that. It was like a weird flash thing. I hope that's not part of the video. I'm going really stupid. Is that why I'm framed in the portrait? He's like, look, I'm in the white fuzzy area. No, I'm Um... Hmm. The, whole the whole idea, idea about, about reading 
on Reddit and watching videos on YouTube and listening to all of these other trans women describe this phenomenal full body female organism. It's like, you guys are so full of shit. In no freaking way, I've had hormones freaking four or five months, six months, and no. I still get off the same way I always did. And shoot to shoots everywhere. And then I didn't. And then I was like, and now I know what they were talking about. It hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, and yeah, I was skeptical too. I was like, no, you guys are full of shit. You're lying to me. We were liars. Every one of you. And then they were. Having a male organism and it being very centralized and really only, I should say it was localized. The sensation was localized and it only required activating a specific item, if you will. And then it was short lived and then you were done. Now, I've always been a little bit of an advantage in that I can get off more than once. Always. You know, get off for the months in succession. But yeah, this this was different. So what other questions? Nothing. You watching? You watching Facebook? I'm gonna try to drink some online. steady as it is, I don't know, because I'm shaking like crazy. It's just, I'm not going to sleep, you know that, right? Oh. I'm just going to sit there in that bed and be like, this is a huge step for me. This is a massive step for me. I've been waiting for this for so long, and now that it's here, it's finally here. It's been postponed twice. fight like every upper echelon command structure I have just to be here and I did and now I feel like my my sanity and my courage is being I know that that was probably difficult to watch for some folks. Uh, the bounce back, the back and forth between my wife and I, kind of discussing 
what was coming up, you know, what was about to happen was hard. Hell, it was hard for me to watch again. Um, one, because I could see what I used to look like. And, ugh. and two, because that conversation is still difficult in my own mind. Sure, we had fun. We poked fun at each other. We made jokes. You could hear me laughing, but you could hear the pensiveness uh, in my laughter. Like, I was scared. I was very scared. And you know, it is okay. It is okay for people to be scared. I'd be a little weird um, if I wasn't scared of the idea of going into surgery for, well, almost half of a day. <clears throat> In that same light though, I was really excited. I was super happy about what was about to, to transpire for me. Um, yeah, it was crazy. The amount of emotions that were going through me. Everything I was feeling at the moment. And I kind of alluded to the struggle that I was having. So my situation is a little bit different than maybe other trans femmes. And the fact that my situation is revolved around the military. So me being a military service member, um, a combat veteran, still active, my options for obtaining my FFS were a little limited. I couldn't just go have it done at a civilian facility without first having it approved anyway. You know, like, you show up to drill one day, and you're like, oh yeah, I look like this. You show up to drill two or three months later, like, oh yeah, I look like this now. That was, that's probably gonna get you into some kind of trouble, I would imagine. <laughs> Or not, who the fuck knows. But I fought tooth and nail to get in line, to be seen at Brooks Army Medical Center, to be a patient of Dr. Hogan's, and I had a lot of setbacks. There was a lot of paperwork, there was a lot of minutia, there was a lot of everything that I had to fight really, really hard just to get in there and get the FFS and everything else done. And there was a risk of it being canceled all the way up to the day before. And rest assured, with a lot of the nonsense going on in the government, with a lot of the bullshit going on in the government, you would better believe that they tried multiple times to cancel the surgeries, to stop all the funding for it, you name it. And that too is mentally taxing and heartbreaking and it's part of the process I had to go through be that as it may I made it the video you watched previously or if you're listening on the podcast listened to previously the banter between my wife and I was at the recovery uh, hotel just outside of Brooks Army Medical Center called the Powell House so it is a recovery hotel. I mean, you could stay in it for things other than medical recovery, but that's primarily what it's used for. So, pending a phone call at the hotel, like, oh yeah, by the way, uh, Big Army said you're not getting your surgery, go ahead and go home. 
I had to live in that realization like, here it is. I've made it. And I was excited and scared. And I know that evening I cried multiple times. Mostly happy tears though. Like I wasn't sad, I was happy. And I think reality had just started to set in. That this is for real. This is for real and there's no turning back. So the next series of videos is surgery day. Now, video was taken of the surgery. That will not be displayed on this episode. That is for medical purposes only, and that will be for future surgeons that join the United States Army that want to learn how to do these things. I agreed to let them film it for that. I will not be using any of that in this video because for obvious reasons, it's graphic. And you know, the amount of hoops I'd have to go through just to get the video approved for continued publishing on other media outlets would be a freaking nightmare. So let's move into the day of. So here we are, surgery day, April 25th of this year. And we are sitting in the waiting area. Thank you. So, we were just about to get called in, and that's what you were seeing is, I heard my name in the distance, and I got scared, and I started to shake, I had to end the video. Um, the next set of videos is obviously in the, the pre-op area, so we'll get those queued up. Um, what I can say about what was going through my head at the time is, I can't, I mean, there's no turning back. What do I do now? I was scared. But they'd walked me into the pre-op area. I got ready. I got undressed. I sanitized myself. 
I hopped into bed. Um, my wife was sitting right next to me. And pretty much was inundated by all the different doctors and specialists and everybody else who was going to be attending to me that day. So my urologist, obviously my plastic surgeon, all my nurses, the aides, um, all very professional. And eventually Dr. Hogan was the last one. We'll get to that video shortly. So really, really starting to set in, you know, I'm there, I'm in the pre-op area and they're getting ready to wheel me over to the OR. I had one final step and that final step was Dr. Hogan, my surgeon, had to come in and essentially draw out what my face was going to look like when she was done. So targeting all the areas that she was going to hit. So. This is not very graphic, but it may be disturbing. So anywhere you see in purple in this next video clip is where they operated. So there are areas obviously they marked that you can't see because some of it was down here. However, um, when you see it, you're like, wow, because that's all the areas they hit. So with caution and viewer discretion, absolutely advised. So, sea salt That's a lot. You can see very clearly um, they were going to work on my eyes. They were working, you know, both areas of my nose. All this, any like other little tick marks are where they had to shave bone. Um, circled areas are where they were going to do fillers. Um, straight lines were incisions or cuts. Now, what you couldn't see is there were several incisions made in my mouth. Obviously, they were not going to cut into my face to do, you know, jawline restructuring or anything like that. They actually do that through your mouth. So, it's a lot. 
that's a lot to have done and it was the craziest thing ever getting prepared for that and shortly after I quit that video I mean I did I busted out in the tears because they came in like all right we're ready to go and I remember getting wheeled into the OR and laying there with a huge operating light above you and it's bright as hell and you can feel the warmth coming off of it despite the fact you're freezing it is absolutely freezing in the OR and they're like hey we're gonna give you a sedative to help you relax and then we're gonna go ahead and put you under and we're gonna start the process of intubating you which is why my voice sounds the way it does um, and getting you ready and we will see you later tonight surgery started at about 7 46 a.m. and I remember coming to at 8 p.m. It was late. Um, I could hear what was going on around me. I couldn't see. Um, it hurt to try to open my eyes. There was a lot of pain. And when I did try to open them, everything was blurry anyway. I was starving but I was also very nauseous. I don't, I, I didn't want to eat. I could hear, um, I could hear my wife talking to the nurse and they were kind of bantering back and forth and the nurse was like, yes, she's awake, she can hear you. And you know, I just kind of grunted because my throat hurts so bad from being intubated for almost 11 hours. Like, that hurt really, really bad. They let me stay in, that, in the hospital overnight. And they were going to discharge me to the recovery hotel the next day. So, sleep was basically impossible. I was in way too much pain. I was thirsty, but I couldn't drink because I couldn't swallow. Um, you can't chew, like no solid food, for at least a week, almost two weeks. Which, you know, I lost weight, but that sucked. Like, I like food. Food is good. So the next video is my first update. This is about three or four days after I got out of surgery. So, again, viewer discretion is advised. My face looks bad. So, for those who are interested in FFS, this is part of your process. I'm doing this so that you are not afraid. Everything turns out fine. Trust the process. I'm still healing. This actually will continue to get better over time. But trust the process. You can see her work. 
Under my nose. You can't see what you did in my head. Yeah. My lips. They look a little crooked. And then again, I've always done a crooked dance show. <laughs> I waited this long to turn the camera back on because, for obvious reasons, I feel like shit. Stuff coming out of me everywhere. She was pretty happy that she didn't break any of my teeth. together into one episode later. So, you can see I was very swollen. Everything was puffy. And it was so uncomfortable. I couldn't breathe out of my nose. Like, at all. Everything was sore. Um, the only bonus was, and still, I can't feel the top of my head. That's slowly starting to come back um you can hear obviously in that video a very distinct difference in my voice from prior to the surgery having a tube thrown down your throat for so long causes a lot of swelling and then obviously because i had a deep neck lift that caused a lot of swelling too so it feels like it's pinched off a little bit and all i can do is wait Basically, I have to wait it out, and I don't know how long that's going to be. But it is a little bit better than it was, I suppose. <laughs> um, this next video is another quick update, just showing how quickly your face actually heals. Because it does. It does. It heals really, really fast, all things considered. So let's kind of take a look at this next one. Um, I think this is the very next day, so let's take a look. <laughs> so, I know I'm obviously still very horribly disfigured, if you want to call it that. Um, I'm now approaching seven days post out. I'm still here at the Brooks Army Medical Military Center in Fort Sam Houston which is in San Antonio, Texas. Um, beautiful facilities. The hospital is wonderful. The staff, some of them good, some of them bad. Um, you get misgendered a lot. But, you know, honestly, the first couple of days where you're actually in the hospital, you're so stoned out of your mind that I don't really think you can care. It hurts, but it's like... Um... I've been progressing nicely. So, to make content that's going to be found valuable by my fellow transgenders or female presenting, non-binary transgender followers and friends, um, probably going to do.
ready to go into kind of what I've been experiencing. It's just, you know, in this healing process, has been just shy of a week. So, I finished my surgery on Monday the 25th, sometime around... I was out by 6, 7 p.m. So it was almost 12 hours of total surgery. Give or take. So expect that. Now, I did have a lot done. I had a lot done that maybe several transgender people are not going to have done all at one time. But I want to tell you why I had the things done that I had done and in the order in which they did them. So this being facial feminization surgery. Facial feminization surgery encompasses several different kinds of corrective and um, plastic surgeries. So they just call it FFS for short because it's a hell of a lot easier to explain like, oh, I'm getting FFS done than like the 50 things they're going to do to your face. So part of that process starts where I had sinuplasty, rhinoplasty um, to correct my nose. The rhinoplasty is plastic surgery, the sinuplasty is not. It is corrective surgery. So I had to have my deviated septum fixed, which this is the first time in my entire life I've been able to breathe through both nostrils without assistance. Um, hell, that alone's worth it. Even if I look straight up like an ugly old fucking man. Um, being able to breathe for the first time out through both of my nostrils is a wonderful and just very, very emotional feeling really. Like, oh yay, that's air. I coughed the first time I was able to breathe and they pulled some of the wadding out of my nose. And I was like, oh, what is that? Like, that's air. Oh, that's, that's terrifying. So, um, yeah, it was, it's wonderful. So those are two very, very painful, still pain-inducing surgeries, um, as you can see. My nose is covered, they reshaped it, they made it more feminine looking. Um, the results of which, and I want to make sure that people understand this when you're watching, I may not see, you may not see the real results, the artistry behind my surgeon's work for almost a year, maybe longer. I have very, very thick cartilage and skin on my nose. Um, and that makes it more difficult to see the finite details that the doctor put in. That being said, also makes them a hell of a lot more permanent and less likely to fuck them up, which is great. So yay, I just, you know, had to be patient, which I am not a patient person. Jinx is not a patient girl. Jinx is very impatient, so. Um, this is not a bandage, this is just to hold my job. Um, which is also why it's filthy. The bandage is under it, and that's clean. Um, some of the other work they did is that you get a cheek lift, and they did a cheek lift like all the way back, so there's a lot of fat grafting that occurred. Um, they erased a lot of the finer lines when they did this, so yay! You know, I kind of look like a chubby girl right now. Then <laughs> I'm okay with it. Um, you know, because fuck it. Um, the biggest, most staggering changes I've seen just in a short time I've been healing post-surgery are my eyes. Um, they shaved a ton off of my brow bone. I can see how much they, and it's, it's a lot. It doesn't look like it right now because I'm swollen, but like I can feel all that and I'm like, holy shit, 
There's so much missing. Um, they made my whole forehead look more feminine. They did a hairline advancement, which is they moved my hairline forward just a tiny bit, but specifically here on the sides where, you know, I had a widow's peak growing, you know. Because I'm not young, I'm old. I look, I look old. I mean, I'm, I have no delusions of that. Um, and they fixed that, so that's pretty painful, hence all the bandaging up here on the top. Um, they did a lip left and they did a lip lift. So you can see all the stitching underneath my notes where they lifted my lip all the way up to shorten distance between the top of my lip line and the nose itself. Lip left is what makes them do that. And they did that to the top and the bottom, so I have much poutier lips, which I'm super, super happy about. Um, my wife jokingly said, well, I was still like half conscious in the operating recovery area. She's like, oh my god, you got some DSLs. Like, I wanted to laugh, but I was too high to laugh. Like, you just said that out loud, and the monitor's like right here on my chest. So... Hopefully you guys can hear me. Now they did intubate me. They're going to intubate you during the process because they're going to make sure that you're getting airflow while they're doing a lot of this work. Um, if you're like me and you recently had bulk feminization surgery, um, that's a dangerous thing. Being intubated could actually wreck ruin or completely reverse all the work you just did. Now in my particular case, although it is very, very raw, it hurts unbelievably. It sounds like they maintained my focal feminization surgery intact and did not ruin it completely. Um, and maybe even softened my voice a little bit, so yeah. Now they did a little bone work down here and that is they shaved my jawline, they reduced the size of my chin, they made the entire area with a lot of fat transfer, obviously. Here's fat transfer, here's fat transfer, here's fat transfer, even inside here, a little bit of fat cartilage transfer. And then up here, the same thing. They put a lot of fat in my face. Well, I gotta get that fat from somewhere. <coughs> so we'll go over that in a little bit. Um, now, there are no scars that are going to be present on the outside of my face. Mine is a few small incision points. So there is a very small incision line under the chin, usually inside the crease where you're not going to see it anyway. Um, there's obviously stitch lines that are in the nose, but again, inside the crease where at some point you won't see them. Oops, sorry. And then obviously inside my hairline, which, I mean, you're going to see that. Everyone's going to see that forever. But I'm okay with it. The majority of the work as far as the fat moving, the grafting, the cheek lifts, all the other stuff, is actually done inside my mouth. So I've got a stitch line inside of here up inside of here, over here, down in here. I can feel it with my tongue and ill. Like super gross. So expect that. This is why it's very difficult to eat. It's also really good. I'm losing a bunch of weight because I'm not eating anything. Everything is, you know, basically liquid. Um, that's not a good example. I've been drinking a lot of the power stuff, the power shakes, you know, that have the protein and the vitamins and the nutrients and everything like that that you need. So, I'm keeping my calorie count high, 
you're going to want to do that. Nutrition is so important because they've taken you. If you're doing vitamins, you can't take them. If you're on your hormone replacement therapy, you can't take that. It's like my pain management medication is antibiotics and freaking Tylenol, and that's about it. No heavy narcotics, codeine 3, I think it's the strongest thing that they've given me. And you're like, nothing else. Nothing. Don't take any of your prescriptions. No. Unless it's like you're diabetic. I think if you're diabetic, which they're probably going to caution you against getting these surgeries if you're diabetic. Not that they won't do it. But, I mean, you're going to get a whole bunch of information that you're just going to be very, very, very pissed about. Understandably so. They want you to heal through walking and food, so I've been up moving around at least an hour and a half a day. Well, since I think day two of recovery. I get more energy every single day. So, so I'm doing something right. Um, but I can tell that my heart is coming back um, because I'm eating unabated. I'm not taking allergy pills. I'm not doing my nasal spray. Um, there's a lot of things I'm not doing that usually triggers reflux. So it's like, what, what do I do? It's been almost a week. So talk to your doctors, talk to your team. You're going to have an entire medical team no matter where you have this done. But I'm going to discuss these things with you. Every single individual is going to be different. Um, my experience is not going to be the same as other girls' experience when they come through this or other non-binary people's experience. Um, but there are going to be similarities. Obviously, I can't shave. Now, I started laser hair removal about a year ago. Um, about every six to seven weeks, I'd go in for treatments. And I started with my face. Now, I've had six, seven treatments on my face already. And by my face, I mean basically from here all the way to the base of my neckline. That, to me, is the face. And I've had about four, four appointments for the rest of my body. So chest, stomach, butt, Brazilian legs, back, shoulders, arms, feet, hands. Now the problem with laser hair removal, as I'm sure most of my trans friends are watching this, and even my cisgender friends who cut laser because they're tired of shaving. I mean, with honesty, girls, who isn't? <coughs> also understands that laser hair removal does not hold to be very effective against white, gray, or very blonde hair. Now, as you can see, I've got a full-on mustache growing. Talk about dysphoric. Well, because it's blonde. Laser doesn't do anything. So, I am definitely going to make an appointment at some point. Since laser right now is out of the question, uh, they have electrolysis done to remove all blonde hair from my face. Because, yeah, this is super, super fucking dysphoric. And, like, I want to cry, but I'm out of my hormones, so it's like I can't cry, but I want to cry. Now, for those who are worried, like, well, if you're not on your hormone replacement therapy, testosterone is filling your body. No. I've been on HRT a year, and at this point, pretty much chemically castrated myself anyway. My testosterone was averaging about 20 or lower. Now, the procedure I had done just when the surgery began was called the orchectomy. So I had my nuts removed. And they did that first.
And this, it took like 42 minutes. And it was done, and they were good to go. And I was like, oh, yay. So, I am not naturally producing testosterone, nor am I naturally producing estrogen or anything at the moment. I bought is androgynously non-binary as one human being can possibly be. It's an extreme, so I don't have to worry about testosterone broadening and deepening my voice again. Okay. But, you know, I kind of miss having some emotional depth. It feels very great. Um, it's been making it difficult for me to catalog and record what I'm going through for all of you. This will probably be the longest bit of all the bits I do for this special episode. Just to kind of give the science and the medical and everything else, because it's quiet here right now in the recovery area. Um, for those who are going to be traveling to get their surgeries done, whether that's traveling inside the United States, traveling out of the country to go somewhere else, Sky's the Limit are many wonderful, superior doctors that do this work all over the world. And yes, I recommend traveling. Go to a doctor that is renowned for doing this kind of work. It's like settling in a car, you know? You don't go to the car dealership with the idea of buying <coughs> my box and then walk away with BMW. If your intent is that you want to go in there and get the my box, then travel wherever it is you need to go to get that fucking my box. Don't settle for the BMW. I'm not saying BMW is bad, but when you're talking about a life-altering, and this is a very life-altering set of surgeries, don't settle. Don't settle. Tell them what you want. Be honest. Be like, I, I told my surgeon, I was like, I don't want to alter my face where I become unrecognizable. I don't want that. I'm not trying to become somebody different. I'm trying to become me. They said, but I think I'm a hideous, disfigured, ugly fucking old man, and I can't stand it. And my surgeon told me, oh, sweet, we got you, don't you worry. And she did. I can still see me. I just see more of me. The real me. And sure, I mean, bumped, bruised, scabbed, gross. Coffee. And even with all that, and seeing how damaged I look right now, it's still amazing and very euphoric. I've never been happier. Now, we're precluded to a lot of fat transfer going in my face. And then gotta get that fat somewhere. Well that's body contract. Or some people call it body feminization. What they did, and it's hard to see, is they actually pulled a lot of fat from my middle area and then from my sides. And that's why I've got this awful bulky binder on. I have to wear a binder for a minimum of 30 days, no exception, unless I'm taking a shower. And that's to force the body back into a shape I like after having all that fat sucked up. 
Now they said that at a minimum they take 550 cc's from the sides and maybe about 400 or so from the center. Now my understanding is they took a lot more from me because they had time to do so. Yay! Now what they do with the fat after, ooh, because they didn't use it all in my face, there's no way. I deal with the fact that I have no idea, I'm not even going to postulate, and I didn't bother to ask, so you can ask, but you can see, oh, here we go, get the mirror behind me, I can pull my shirt down somewhat tight, the curve is there, so I have some curve, my hair is a freaking mess, because, well, sorry, it's far more curvy and my butt's far more round than it was when I went into surgery, so and as far as I know, they didn't put anything in my ass. Because it doesn't hurt. And there's no puncture wounds. And when I take my shirt off, I look in the mirror, and I'm like, ew, I look like I've been stabbed. Repeatedly. And that is quite dysphoric. But, part of the process. So, yeah. I had a lot of surgeries all at once. You might choose not to do this at all. Or you might choose to take it in small pieces. I don't think there's a wrong choice. Just like I don't think there's a better choice. That's really ultimately determined by you. The person who is thinking about going through this transition. I know ultimately being one year in hormones a little over a year now and have worked on my voice it no longer causes dysphoria I know I've worked on my body and my face and it's not causing dysphoria I feel so whole almost with one more it's a little overwhelming how happy I do wake up I'm like wow I'm in in utter pain, but I am just really fucking happy about it. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. So I hope this segment helps. I do. And obviously, there's going to be more segments getting ready to go home here pretty soon. Um, I'm going to ask my doctor if I can record first post-op appointment. Probably not, though. But hey, you never know. For my military friends and veterans out there that I'm acquainted with, who are going through this with me. This is important for you, too. As the military becomes more open and understanding of other people's lives, and realizing that there's an entire field of people out there who want to serve their country who are not able to because the military sees them as so broken. We're not broken. We're different. Absolutely. But we're not broken. We can serve. We still want to serve. We're still capable of serving. Like myself, my past service does not change because the outside appearance has changed. I still did all those things. 
I still own all those accomplishments. I'm still capable of doing more. So I want my videos becoming advocacy for military members in transition. You can do this. And you can serve out the rest of your time as your real self. And be very happy that you did it. means just as much now as it did when I made it. There's a lot of good information in there. You can see a lot of the changes just in a couple of days from the previous video um, were improving. The bruising <coughs> was going down. Um, the lines, the marking, all that also going down. Um, stuff had already begun to settle and that was just a couple of days. So you're looking six or seven days post up for that video and swelling has started going down. These are reasonable expectations for someone who is recovering from FFS. Um, the last video that we're going to watch is more discussions between my wife and I. She had, you know, she sees what's going on. The reality of these changes was beginning to set in. They're big. And then, of course, once that video is done, we're also going to go ahead and talk about what we've experienced since then. So, <clears throat> um, looking at those things and saying, okay, great, here's where we are now. And what to expect over the course of the next year after you get done. Because, realistically, sure... Healing is going to happen pretty fast, but we also need to remember that it's not always going to be that way. Everybody's situation is going to be different. Everyone healing is going to be different. So listen in for a little bit as far as some of the banter between my wife and I dealing with this. This is about the same time frame. I think this is before my first post-op check-in so around 10 days I believe gotta maintain that money <laughs> what are you doing? recording you why? posterity posterity yeah no it'll be my episode though Everywhere. Paid advertising and everything, baby. Sponsors all kinds of shit because everyone wants to see what's Chelsea doing. <laughs> You're ridiculous. <laughs> what? Yeah. So, what has been your opinion of this whole thing? Kept me informed all day during your 
Well, that's good, because I didn't know that. I thought they were going to forget, but they called me, and then Dr. Hogan called me after you were done. So. Cool. The only part where they messed up was they didn't tell me that you were brought back. Like, I missed you by about five minutes. Oh. Then I sat in the waiting area for an hour, waiting on them to come back. Well, I finally just, like, asked them. But other than that. That's good. Well, it's been nice. Yeah. It's been nice recovering here. Agreed. Because the kids would have been jumping all over you. I know. So. I gotta love the kids, though. Always causing help. Well, yeah. <laughs> I miss them. Yeah. My hair still feels gross. Well, it doesn't look gross. That's good. for the episode, right? I know I've got to talk about stuff. Stop pushing it up. It's supposed to be down at your bra. Oh, well, you're going to push it up. Look at him. He's swelling. Not so pudgy. <clears throat> it was interesting the days following surgery and recovery. Um, after that video was shot, we went to our doctor's appointment. The doctor cleared me to go home. Um, and that's what I did. I went home and Finally got to see my kids, and I actually got home to a really cute surprise. Um, I do want to apologize for the next video because it starts in the correct orientation, and then it goes completely wacky, and I don't know why. So I do apologize, um, <laughs> but it was too cute not to share with all of you. Um, I think you guys are going to like it a lot. Oh, yay. Look at what I got to come home to. That was hilarious. Um, they decorated the whole house. It was super cute. Uh, the kids were so excited to see us. Obviously excited to see me. It was amazing. The kids were happy. And truth be told, they didn't really say anything about the bandages or the wrappings or, well, the drain tube <laughs> coming out of my head. 
because um, they had not removed that yet. They didn't remove that for another week. So I had to go back and drive another three hours to my surgeon so I could pull the drain tube out. That was a whole other ordeal. That was really gross. So be prepared for that. So let's look at the process. I want to put this out there so that other people who are considering going through transition, who are considering facial feminization surgery, understand exactly kind of what this process is going to be. Because this is going to be very similar to what everybody's going to experience. Um, there's not a lot of difference, if you will. So it's several steps. Obviously, you're going to request a consultation with your surgeon. There are dozens of surgeons in the United States that perform exactly these types of surgeries for transgender people. Um, a simple Google search will show you which one's closest to you. I will put a posting on my website, cyberjinx.me, um, that actually has some of these doctors if you want to talk to them. Um, <clears throat> if you are in Texas, like I am, the Crane Center is amazing right there in Austin. Um, I think the Crane Center also has a location in LA, so if you're in California, they do beautiful work. Um, once you've done your consultation, you're going to go and do a lot of discussion with your surgeon about what to expect, what you want done, how long it's going to take, the wait time to get to your surgery. Right now, surgical wait times are upwards of a year or longer. So don't expect to have a consultation with your surgeon and then go in for surgery like a month later. I mean, unless something changes, you're looking at about a year. So during that year, you're going to be expected to complete other things. So changing your diet, eating better, stop smoking. Um, completing your CT scan. So the doctor is going to want to look at your skull so the doctor knows what they're working with. So you need a CT scan. <clears throat> Most likely, but again, if needed, a second consultation to discuss what they found on the CT scan and make sure you're doing your homework. Um, you're probably going to need to obtain your insurance company's approval if you intend on the insurance paying for your FFS. Now, that brings up a very good question. Are there insurance companies that cover this? Yes, actually, um, it's gonna vary by state. And obviously with all the bullshit going on in our country right now, the number of states that have insurance industries that approve this kind of thing are dwindling. And they're dwindling quickly. So Ohio, Idaho, Indiana, Missouri, Mississippi, Alabama, and now Texas too, I believe, um, they have made it illegal for insurance companies to approve gender-confirming care. That being said, that's at the time of this video being recorded. That may change. It may get worse. It may get better. I don't know. You have to do your research to find out what's best for you. Um, but yes, check with your insurance company. If you are not going to use insurance, you're going to pay for this out of pocket. Great. That's great. You can do that. 
once you've got all that squared away, now we're going to go ahead and you're going to schedule your actual surgery date. Um, you're going to do a pre-op visit, which is usually three or four days before the surgery. Um, and that's really to kind of get you ready for anything else. Talk about your diet. Pre-appointments, blood draws, obviously making sure you don't have COVID, whatever the case might be. Also, they're going to do a what's called a photograph appointment. So this is about 24 to 48 hours before they perform the surgery. They are going to take pictures of everything they're going to work on from every angle imaginable. Now, you can tell them you don't want those photos taken. Or you can tell them, like, sure, take the photos, but don't share them. Read your paperwork. <clears throat> Absolutely. Read your paperwork. Understand what they're going to use those photos or videos for. And then, boom, surgery. As you saw, I was in the, the pre-op area, getting ready, scared out of my mind. The good news is once they put you out, you ain't going to remember anything until you wake back up anyway. So, good to go. Now, once your surgery's over, you're going to recover. Your first post-op check-in is usually going to be the day after surgery. So, 24 hours from the time you've had surgery. Let's make sure you're doing okay. Now, they could choose to leave you at the hospital or you can convalesce if you live locally at home. Or you can convalesce in a convalescent home. That choice is going to be up between you and your doctor and your family. If you are coming from out of town, you will convalesce in a convalescent home or a hotel or a recovery center or something of that nature. They are not going to let you fly or drive all the way back to where you came from just to do it again because you're going to have to have multiple repeat visits with your doctors. <clears throat> Next is going to be your early recovery check-in. So you're looking at 7 to 10 days. For me, it was 10. I recovered for 10 days. I went and saw the doctor, and then I was released. So especially for out-of-town patients, you're going to travel home. Your subsequent follow-up visits. So this is two weeks post-op, one month post-op. And then usually three to four months post-op, you're going to go back, you're going to see your surgeon, they're going to look at stuff, make sure everything is going okay, that you're healing properly. You don't necessarily have to go back to the surgeon for your one month or your three or four month. You can see just your regular doctor and have them report back to the surgeon, here's how you were doing. Especially if you're out of town. All that is normal. Now, I am just a little bit more than two months post-op. My surgery was April 25th. We are at July 4th. Oh, and by the way, happy not-so-independence day to all of my viewers and listeners. All of my happy little rainbows out there because I don't really think there's a whole reason for us to be celebrating independence right now when your government is stealing rights from people. But that being said, at two months, 
here's what I've experienced so far. Obviously, I've healed. No more bruising. Um, scarring is going down really, really well. I've got makeup on, of course, but you can see my hairline scar is long. It goes all the way to my hairline. This is my hair. It is not a wig. You can wear a wig if you want to hide your scar line. Um, your surgeon will approve that usually within three weeks from surgery. You can wear a wig. Now, I still have a little bit of swelling. And that swelling's right here. So you can see it. That straight line. Um, that's swelling. That's a little bit of fluid. Because I had a deep neck lift. And I'm over 40 years old. Um, this may take a whole year to finally go down. My nose, although significantly better looking than it was before, still has an entire year to heal. I've got scarring under my eyes, still very visible. It may take the whole year to heal. Because you're not bloody and bruised and you don't look beaten up anymore, your healing is not done. The final product is not done. I think for anybody who's gone through FFS in the past, myself included, we are hardest on ourselves. We are hardest on ourselves. We look in the mirror and we're like, oh my God, I still see mannish things, or oh my God, when is this going to be done? Or why am I still so swollen? Or why do I have bruises? I mean, I've got a big bruise over here from the drain tube. It's still there. I still have bruising on my abdomen from all the punctures they made. They're still there. It's been two months. Give it time. Everybody heals differently. Don't be upset if you're a month and a half, two months, hell, even three months into your healing and you're still seeing side effects. You're still seeing bruising or swelling or the scars haven't gone away yet. It's normal. It's okay. You're going to be fine. Trust your surgeon and trust the process. Keep using your moisturizers when your surgeon says you're allowed to start again. Get back on your hormones as soon as your doctor clears you to do so. Keep going through the steps. Keep going through your process. And I promise you, everything is going to be fine. I told myself I was not going to make another episode of Trans Confessions until I felt confident enough to be in front of a camera and not look hideous. And I'm not going to lie, I'm still not there. I see so many things with my face that I know could be better. But I'm not done healing. So they will get better. They absolutely will get better. I just have to be patient and give it time. 
I'm not patient, as you saw in previous video clips. But it's okay. It is okay to be upset. It is okay to cry. It's part of this process. It's part of your healing. It's going to be fine. I know I have changed dramatically since my FFS. Hell, I've changed dramatically since starting hormones. I have now been on hormones one year and almost three months. And I've got so many trans siblings, particularly feminine presenting trans siblings that have been on hormones for five, six, eight years, and oh my God, stunning. So I know it gets better. It just takes time. So what are the next steps for Jinx? What are my next steps? I'm gonna go another year on hormones. And I'm gonna allow my body to heal fully. Obviously I'm working out, I'm exercising, I'm doing those things. Because I want to live a long, healthy life as the gender I've always wanted to be. But within a year, maybe a year and a half, this is where we're going to look at maybe breast augmentation, <coughs> um, full bottom surgery, or more. Who knows what medical advancements we will have by the time I'm ready for those things. I know for me, I don't want to rush anything. And I encourage all of my listeners and my followers who are considering FFS as part of their transition, don't rush it either. Make good sound decisions because Lord knows I've come a very long way. Because I went from this to this, or from that to this. I was 17, 16 in those pictures. That was a long time ago. And I look better now than I ever did. I want to say thank you for everybody who has joined me in making this special episode. This episode is my official closing of season one. I hope to have all of you back listening for season two. And season two will kick off sometime around the end of August or beginning of September. Look forward to at least two episodes a week. And I hope to go through this transition and talk about all kinds of wonderful things and have a lot more guests that you all get to meet starting next year. Until then, I want to say thank you to all my happy little rainbows. I love all of you. May you all have a wonderful journey. And I'll see you all in September. <laughs>